0: Well, good morning, church. Good morning. So good, so good to be with you this morning on this uh, chilly Sunday morning, and uh, yeah, it snowed this weekend. That's crazy, right? So seventy degrees on Friday, and then snowing on Saturday. So, um, uh, you know, someone said in one of my posts, they said uh, Kentucky's like a box of chocolates—you never know what you're gonna get—and so that is, um, we're learning is so true. Hey, I want to just say thank you to everyone for all the birthday wishes, and uh, it's just been uh, fun to uh, celebrate birthdays with you, and so thank you guys so much. And, and if you're here this morning, I was just thinking as, as Tess was singing that last song, I hope that you know, I hope that you know that you know that you know that there's a God that loves you no matter what, Amen. right? Like that's good news for us. There's no hoops that we have to jump through. There's no rules that we have to, um, not enough rules for us to follow. That God loves us just the way we are. And he loves us enough not to leave us right where we are, right? Right. But he wants to take us somewhere. He has a plan and a purpose for our lives. So I just hope that you know that this morning. I'm so glad that we're here together as a family. We got kids, we got adults, we got everyone in the room. And so that's going to be good. We're going to have a great morning. And and, and I just want to say how awesome it is that we get to gather together. And, and not snow's not going to keep us from gathering together. Uh, icy roads aren't going to keep us from gathering together. Cold weather is not going to keep us that we are here today. And, and so it's so good. And I especially want to say welcome to those of you that are uh, worshiping with us online this morning too. Uh, it's so glad to have you. And, uh, and if you're worshiping from anywhere besides Kentucky, it, we just want you to know it's 10 degrees, or it was. I don't know what it is now. But it's 10 degrees outside here, and so it's a little chilly. But, uh, but welcome. And today I'm really excited because we're starting a brand new conversation. And the conversation is called hashtag Struggles. And it's uh, following Jesus in a selfie centered world. And, uh, and I don't know if you know it or not, but we've been living in this selfie centered world for, for a few years now. And, uh, and social media has kind of taken over our lives. And, uh, and so, hashtag, hashtag Struggles. Uh, is really a, a good thing for us to talk about. Now, if you're not a regular user of social media, if you're one of the very few out there, uh, you may not be aware of what the hashtag is, but it's simply a tool uh, to help others to see what people are saying about something. And uh, so we use hashtag to kind of help us to uh, group things together And so in social media. So if you went on Instagram, for instance, and you clicked on hashtag cool shoes, uh, you might see something like this. And you would see just a bunch of listings of pictures of people uh, showing off their kicks. And, uh, and so are their cool, sho- cool shoes. Uh, now, if you also clicked on uh, hashtag worship fails, all right, hashtag worship fails, you'd probably catch this video right here. <laughs> I don't know if you recognize that or not, um, but it's, it's gone viral and there's lots of views, uh, like thousands of views that have watched that happen. And uh, so James gave me permission to show off uh, his worship fail. Brandon had a worship fail. He showed me this morning, which if I would have known of that one, I would have put that one up there too. Uh, and he does like a face plant right here on the stage. And uh, many of you were here for it. I told him, I said, man, if you show my wife that, she might pee her pants. I mean, it's just that funny. And so, uh, so Brandon's going to show you that later. But, um, but anyway, hashtag. Uh, it's just a simple thing that helps us to kind of like group together stuff. And so hashtag struggles. All of us have struggles, right? Like all of us have things that we struggle with. And, and so I want to, what I want to do over the next five weeks is I want us to talk about five different struggles, five different struggles that collide with biblical, um, with biblical values as a result of social media. And, and so what I want to do is just because we're using social media, though, as a launching pad for this, doesn't mean that this won't pertain to you if you don't use Uh, Social media. Uh, These messages will speak to anyone because their issues that collide with biblical values that we all struggle with, whether we're on social media or not. And and, and I want you to know uh, also that I'm not poo-pooing social media, right? Like, so don't go on your social media and say, my pastor hates social media. I'm not doing that. I'm on social media. Uh, I'm on various platforms. And and I see that there are some credible, incredible benefits to social media. I mean, you can connect with people all over the world, and I've done that. And and I've made uh, rekindled friendships with people that have moved all across the the world. I have friends all over the world. Uh, You can promote things that are important to you, and some of you are really good at that, and you promote things on your Facebook or on your Instagram or whatever, Snapchat, whatever you use, that are really uh, important to you. And so there's a lot of good that comes out of social media, but at the same time, with all of those great opportunities, there are also some unintended downsides or negative consequences to social media, right? And we've seen those too, and we've, we've witnessed those, and maybe we've even been a part of those uh, things where, where people are, are ugly, and they're mean, and, they're, and, and they use social media in a negative way, in a way that I don't believe it was ever intended to be used. And, and what I want to do over the next five weeks is I want to raise a few of those issues uh, to the surface, and, and I, and I, and I want to see how they play out against what the Bible tells us. And so today we're going to kick it off and we're going to talk about this idea of contentment. And, uh, and I think that song, the, the song that we just sang last, that, that would be a great word to throw in that song, contentment, to think about being content. And we're going to look at the problems that occurs or the problem that occurs when we compare our lives and our stuff with other people's lives and other people's stuff and how we become dissatisfied or how we become discontent in our own hearts. So today we're going to look at contentment and next week we're going to look at intimacy and we're going to talk about how social media has given us the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. And and in week 3 we're going to talk about authenticity and we're going to talk about living an unfiltered life. We're talking about what does that look like, because a lot of you, you know what filters are. Some of you are like experts at filters on, on Instagram, and you know how to use them. And we're going to talk about how do, we, how do we live an authentic life. And we saw in the Bumper video, we saw the girl, right? She was taking a picture of her at the beach, but all it was was a picture of her behind the screen of someone at the beach. And, and so we're going to talk about authenticity. Week five, uh, in week four, we're going to talk about compassion, and we're gonna talk about how social media has played a role in society caring less about people. And then in week five, we're gonna talk about rest. And I think this is a big deal. We're gonna talk about rest, and we're gonna talk about how social media is robbing us of the rest that we so desperately need. That we're tired people, and oftentimes we're tired because we're sleeping next to our phones, right? And we're allowing our phones to wake us up in the middle of the night and we see that post and we're like, oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, you know, type something in, I gotta respond to that post. Or we start, and when we do that, we start trolling and we start we start flipping through, and then before we know it, we've been up half the night on social media. And so we're gonna talk about how social media is robbing us of rest. But today let's dive in. Let's dive in with our first hashtag struggle, which is discontentment and envy. And how we become content in Christ. And before we do, let's just pray and invite the Holy Spirit to be with us. Father God, we do thank you so much for today. God, we thank you that we can gather here together. We thank you that we can be in this place together as families. And God, we thank you that that you have given us all that we need. Lord, that we don't need anything else because we can find contentment in you. And so Lord, I pray that you would remove the blinders from our eyes today. God, you would open our ears or unplug them. And you would soften our hearts so that we can see, hear, and know exactly what it is that you have for us, because, Lord, you have a word for us and this idea of talking about being content. We love you, Lord. Thanks for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, before we go any further, why don't you look to the person next to you and just say, I'm so glad you're here. Just go ahead. And tell the person behind you, in front of you, next to you, I'm so glad you're here today. I feel like we didn't do that, and I feel like that's important. And so, uh, so here we go. Some say, that contentment or discontentment, they say that discontentment has never been a bigger problem than it is in history than it is today. That discontentment has never been a bigger problem in the history of the world than it is right here today. And think about it. Never have so many people had so much and yet want so much more. And some sociologists even say that social media is one of the driving forces behind discontentment. Because what we look that when we look at other people's lives on social media, they look perfect because they are putting their best filtered image forward. And because of their lives, we're looking at their lives, we become discontent because we want what they have. And we find ourselves comparing our behind-the-scenes lives. With other people's highlight reels don't we and we feel like failures because we see the best of their best and we know the worst of our worst it's kind of like the two women or the two moms and and they they hated each other on social media and, and one was a working mom and she was like you know what I hated you because you're the perfect Pinterest stay-at-home mom who does crafts and has structured uh, time with your kids, and you make me feel so guilty. And then the stay-at-home mom said, well, guess what? I hate you because you have a life. Like, you're out in the world, you're in public, you're doing things, and I haven't had my hair in anything besides a ponytail, and I haven't seen an adult since 2018, and I hate you. And so here we have two people, and they're comparing and longing for what the other person has, and they find themselves discontent. Hating each other. And maybe maybe you can relate to that, right? Like maybe you're finding discontentment in your life because you're finding yourself constantly comparing yourself to someone else's Facebook post or Instagram pic or, or Snapchat thing. And you're at home and you're all by yourself and you see your friend out on a date and they're like out eating lobster and you're home eating a TV dinner and watching next Netflix and you're like, I wish I had their life. Or maybe you see your friend at the gym and, and he's doing those selfie muscle pics. I don't do those for a lot of reasons, but, but they, they're doing their selfie muscle pics. And you're single-handedly trying to keep Twinkies from going bankrupt, right? At home. And when you look at their pics of them working out at the gym. And they're those ones that post the picture at 5.30 every morning. At the gym, right? Eating clean. At the gym. And, you're, and you see it. And you're sitting there like with a Twinkie in one hand. And a Diet Coke in the other hand. And you're, you're just wishing. Because you feel so bad about yourself. And think about this. Never in the history of war of the world could we accurately measure popularity than we can today? I mean, when I was a kid, you just kind of had to randomly guess whether or not you were popular. But now you can actually measure your popularity. You can measure it by how many followers you have on whatever social media platform you use. You can say like, well, I've got 287 followers and she's got 429 followers. I'm half as popular as she is. Or my picture only got 19 likes, and the one before that only got 12 likes, and the most that I've ever gotten is 33 likes. And every time she posts a picture, she gets like three digits worth of likes. And it's just not fair. And we find ourselves comparing our lives, our likes, to someone else's lives and someone else's likes, and we become discontent. We compare and compare, and we come to the conclusion that this that everybody else's life is so much better than mine. And we may even come to the conclusion that we say, my life sucks compared to everyone else's. And you see, here's the problem. The more we compare, the more we compare our lives to other people's lives, and you don't even have to be on social media to do this, but the more that we compare our lives to other people's lives, the less satisfied we become. But the truth is this, and this is worth writing down, The truth is that comparison is the death of contentment. Comparison is the death to contentment. And you know it's true. I mean, you know this is true just as much as I do. You've gone down the road of comparing your car or your kitchen or your house or your relationship to someone else's, and then you find yourself feeling discontent. And listen, discontentment, It's a big deal. It's a big deal in our spiritual lives because it's ravaging our souls. And what I want to do today is I want to spend just a few minutes exposing any discontentment that we may have in our hearts. Like, I'm just going to warn you right now, it's about to get real in here. Because I want to expose for you some of the discontentment that is lingering in your hearts. And so to get us started, I'm going to give you three different categories of discontentment. And then here's what I want you to do. So this is up to you. You got to do this. Like, you got to play your part. And, and I'm going to give you these three categories, and I want you to give gut-level, honest answers about any of these areas that you struggle with. Like, I just want you to be real right now. One of our core values here is to be real, isn't it? Like, that's our core value, that we're going to be real with one another. And so here's your opportunity to be real in the areas that you struggle with. And so beyond, and this is beyond social media, but for those of you who use it like I do, you'll probably see yourself in one of these three areas that I share with you in just a minute. So here's the first area that I want you to think about. And I want you to be gut level, like I said, gut level honest, I just want you to be real with yourself. Uh, First, let's talk about material and financial discontentment. Material and financial discontentment. Maybe you see somebody post a pic of a car and you hate your car. And you're like, I, I, I want to be happy for him. I want to be happy for the guy that's posting a picture of his car. But you're jealous. And you're jealous because you want that car. Like, you're like, my car, I can't stand my car. But I would sure love to have that car. And you find yourself being discontent. Or, or here's one. Or maybe, maybe she's posting a picture of her brownies. But here's the deal. You're not really looking at the brownies. You're looking beyond the brownies at her kitchen. And you're looking beyond her kitchen at her countertops and at those cute little cabinet pool knobs that she's got and her perfect little kitchen. And you're like, oh, I just wish I had a kitchen like that. And so would you be honest today? And would you say that this has been an issue for you, that you find yourself comparing your stuff and, and your material and your financial possessions with someone else's? And that's become an issue for you. And so just, let's just be real. Uh, if that's you, if you find that that, um, that material and financial discontentment is an issue for you, just raise your hand. Just, just, just be real. All right. So for many of us, that's an issue. Now, now here's another one. What about relational discontentment? Let's talk about relational discontentment. You see all your friends, and, right, and they're all together, and, and you're not. You're not with them. As a matter of fact, you see your friends together having a good time, and they didn't invite you. And maybe you're feeling relationally discontent, because you're wondering, why in the world was I left out again? Or or maybe you're not married, and maybe every person you know is married, and they're always posting pictures, right? Uh, They're always posting a selfie of them and their spouse uh, or significant other somewhere, and, and they're happy, and you're not. And you're like, I wish that I, I just wish that I had that somebody special in my life. Or or maybe you see someone else and they have uh, have time with their children. Like they're spending time with their kids. Maybe they're at Disney World or maybe they're at their park or maybe they're out playing in the snow and you see pictures of them spending time with their children and, and you're just working your butt off. I mean, you're working your tail off just to make ends meet. And you feel guilty because you can't spend the time that they're spending with their kids with your kids. Or maybe you see the relational intimacy that other people have And you don't have that. And you want that so bad. And they they look like like they've got a great relationship or a great marriage or a great friendship. And you just like, you don't feel like you've got that. Like you wish you had that great marriage or you wish you had that great friendship. And all of a sudden, you find yourself a little envious of someone else's relational status. If that's you. Let's just be real, and let's just be honest. Just lift your hands if if relational discontentment is one of your deals. Yeah, for some of us, it is. Like, we wish that we had that friendship. We wish that we had that relationship, that special romantic relationship. We wish we had that marriage, or we wish we had that relationship with our children. And then there's the third one. And the third one is this. It's circumstantial discontentment. Circumstantial discontentment. You're looking at your life, and you're comparing it to someone else's. And you're thinking this, you're thinking, you know what, I wish I was where they were. Like, I wish I had the job that they had. But at at, at my point in this life, by this point in my life, I thought, I thought that I would be doing something so much more significant than what I am. I'll tell you, a few years ago, uh, like, like 10 years ago, this was my deal. Like, I was stuck in circumstantial discontentment. Like, I thought at that point in my ministry that I would be somewhere different, and I looked at people that I knew, people that I admired, and they were doing the things that I thought I would be doing by now. And, and, I, and I was struggling with circumstantial discontentment. I was so frustrated. I wish I could. And Maybe you're thinking, man, I wish that I, I could, I, I thought I would have kids by now or, or, or you know, I'm, t- I'm sick of watching everyone do their reveal party on Facebook. And, and I wish that I uh, had a kid or I wish that, um, that my life was more significant than what it is right now, whatever the case may be. I thought I would be the CEO by now. I thought that I would be the business owner by now. I thought that I would be uh, the, the principal or the administrator by now. And we find ourselves in circumstantial discontentment. You see, so often we compare our lives to others and we define our lives based upon what other people are experiencing. And it renders us discontent because comparison is the death of discontentment. You see, here's what we do. We compare the other people's highlights to our real lives, and we get discontent. But let me just tell you that nothing is as it appears. Let me just say that again. Nothing is as it appears. And, I found, and my wife found this meme that, that I wanted to share with you, that just beautiful illustration of it. We can put it up on the screen. Um, and, and this picture of this Apple meme. I don't know if we're going to get it. Are we Are going to get it? There it is. And, and it's on there and it says, what better way to explain social media than by using this image? Not everything you see is perfect, right? Not everything you see is perfect. And so the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, a good chunk of the New Testament, was so good, so good at responding to life with a Christ-like perspective like, uh, we were in our group on Wednesday night, we were talking about this, and, and Brian Griffith said, you know, Paul was like one of the smartest guys on, on the planet Earth, because he just had this perspective about Christ, of living the Christ life. And, 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 and so Paul talks to us about contentment. And, and in fact, we're going to look at, to me, what's the best verse in all of Scripture about being content. And so here's the deal. Paul's writing what we're about to read. He's writing this while in prison. And I want you to think about this. He's under house arrest. As a matter of fact, Paul is chained to a Roman guard. So everywhere Paul goes, this Roman guard goes with him. Paul's got to go to the bathroom. Guess what? The Roman guard goes with him. Everywhere Paul was, he was chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. He slept chained to a Roman guard. He ate chained to a Roman guard. And, and life is not going great for Paul. He's under house arrest, and yet he writes these words that I want to share with you this morning. So, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to look at 12, verses 12 and 13 together. And I want you to hear what Paul has to say about being content. Here's what he says He says in verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. You see, Paul's had experiences in his life where he was in need, and he says, I know what it is to be in need. But then he says, and I know what it is to have plenty. So Paul's had both experiences. He's been in places in his life where he's been in need, but he's also been in places and circumstances in his life where he's had everything that he needs. And he says this, he says, I have learned the secret of being content. I've learned the secret of being content. And then here's what he says, in any and every situation. Paul's like, listen, I know what it's like to be in need, I know what it's like to have everything I want, but he goes, but here's the deal, I've learned the secret to being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And I don't know if you caught that or not, but Paul said this, he said, I've learned the secret to being content. I've learned it. I've learned the secret to being content in every situation. In other words, if life is going my way, I know the secret to being content. Or if life isn't going the way that I want it to, I still know the secret of being content, whether well-fed or whether hungry, whether living plenty or whether living and not. And then he tells us, in verse 13, he tells us the secret. He says, and look, guess what? I'm not going to keep it a secret. I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm going to share with you, church, what the secret is to being content. And here's what he says. He says, here's the secret to being content in every situation. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. In other words, Paul's saying the secret of contentment is not found in what I have. It's not found in my circumstances. It's not found in what I don't have. It's not found in what I don't, uh, what I'm not living. He says, no. He says, the secret to living content is found in Christ and Christ alone. Think about that. That's huge that Paul's saying, listen, it's a big deal. Like discontentment is one thing that keeps you off track. Discontentment is something that keeps you from living the Christian life because you spend all your time wanting more. You spend all your time wishing that you were living in someone else's life. You spend all your time comparing other people's highlights to your real life, and you find yourself discontent. And Paul knew that long before Facebook was even a thing. He knew that we would struggle with discontentment. And he says, listen, I know the secret, and I'm going to share it with you. The secret is Christ. The secret is Jesus, that you won't find contentment in anything else except for a relationship with Jesus Christ. And listen, here's the deal. Until Christ is all you have, you will never recognize that Christ is all you need. Until you recognize that Christ is all you have, You'll never know that Christ is all you need. You, won't, you want to find the power of contentment. Let everything else be stripped away and cling to Jesus. And that's where you will find contentment. I'm going I'm to uh, talk about you for a minute, Josh. I hope it's okay. Uh, Josh just came to my mind and and thinking about uh, Josh's story and thinking about uh, Josh was sharing with us in a group and I hope this is okay Josh please forgive me if it's not but um, Josh was sharing a group and he was basically saying this very thing without saying this he's saying you know I don't have an urge or a need or that addiction any longer because here's the deal everything was stripped away everything was gone and the only thing I had to cling on to was Jesus and when I found that Jesus was all that I needed I realize that Jesus is enough I don't need the drugs I don't need them what I need is Jesus and so if you want to find the secret to contentment then you cling to Jesus recognizing that his presence is real that he offers a peace that goes beyond our human ability to comprehend. And some of you need to tap into that peace because some of you are uneasy right now. Some of you are losing sleep at night. Some of you can't find peace. But there's a peace that comes from a relationship with Jesus, from recognizing that Jesus is enough. You realize that he's everything that you need. You don't need the cool little kitchen, You don't need the fancy car. You don't need the big title job. What you need is Jesus. You see, you can search, and you can search, and you can search, and you can get all the likes you want, and you can get the approval from all the people that you want. You can get all the material stuff that you want, and you know you can can, uh, uh, be loved by as many people as you can find, but until you experience Jesus, you will be nothing but dissatisfied... You reach that 1,000 likes, and you're like, man, I reached 1,000, woo-hoo. You'll never find contentment in that. You'll finally reach that goal, that financial goal, and you will still won't be content until you experience Jesus. You will always come up short. You will always be looking for something more until you let Jesus be all that you need. Until you let Jesus be all it need, you always battle discontentment you envy will be the ruler of your heart. when I was searching for that that um, that that thing in my life ten years ago that circumstance you know I, I always dreamed and I always thought that I would be the, the the speaker that would be on the big stage in front of thousands of people and And that was like the goal to be a youth communicator and speak in big arenas. And I thought that was it. And I was discontent with everything except for that. But until I realized that Jesus is enough, I never experienced contentment. Until I recognized that Jesus is enough. And Jesus puts me wherever Jesus wants me to be. And he puts me where I'm going to be best served. And so listen, if you're looking for something and you're discontent, you're going to keep coming up short. Until you recognize that Jesus is enough. And Paul's like this, church. He's saying that. He's saying, I'll let you in on a little secret. He's saying, I can have a lot or I can have a little. I can have a ton or I can be in a Roman prison. But by Christ, by Christ, I can do everything he calls me to do. And that's the secret to being content, that recognize that Jesus is enough. And with that in mind, let me share with you two things that we absolutely must have Christ's strength to do if we're going to beat discontentment in our life. Two things that will help us to overcome envy in our lives. And the number one thing is this, through Christ's strength, we will kill comparison. Through Christ's strength, we we will kill comparison. Through the strength of Christ, we will stop comparing our lives to others. Listen, you can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. You need Jesus to strengthen you, to give you the ability to stop comparing your life to others. Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. He says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. In other words, what Paul's saying there is comparison is the death of being content." We must kill comparison because why? Because it's not wise. And not only is it not wise, but it leads us to uh, being discontent and to being sad and to being never satisfied. Oh, we're going to be tempted to compare our lives to others. You'll You'll be tempted right when you leave this place. You'll check your phones as you're walking out. Some of you are checking your phones right now, and you'll look at it. And you'll, you're going to start comparing. You're going to be tempted to compare your life to someone else's life. But we got to kill that. we got to stop that. we got to say, I'm not going to do it. I wish I could say that I didn't compare my life to others, but I do. I do. Like when I was a kid, when I was in high school uh, in, Tallahassee, I was living in Tallahassee, Florida, and one of my friends had a Toyota Celica. And I thought that was just the coolest car back then. It was fast. It was a a five-speed. Uh, we would drive around town in it, and I thought that he was just the coolest dude because he had a Toyota Celica, uh, a sports car, and, uh, uh, and, and so I thought that if I could just get a Toyota Celica, if I could just get a sports car, that I would be finally content with my life, right? I'd be content because I get the friends. I'd be content because I might finally be popular. I'd be, I'd get, I'd be content because i get the girl if I had that car, right? And, and I, never, I never understood that comparing my life to someone else's always led to discontentment, not content. And so we've got to make a decision to kill comparison. And here's why James 3, chapter, 4, chapter 3, verse 14 and 16 says this. And he and talks about the danger of envy. He talks about the danger of comparing. And he says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it. Or deny the truth. Such wisdom, in quotes, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly. It's unspiritual, he says. It's demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. James is saying this. He says, Envy, not only is it earthly, but he says it's demonic. He says it's unspiritual. It's not from heaven. In other words, it's not just unhealthy to compare your lives to others. It's sinful in the eyes of God. Therefore, we're going to kill and crush comparison. We're going to kill it. We're going to make a decision. Now, I don't know how this will practically play out in your life. But here's what I know. Some of you, you may need to take a social media break. Like some of you may need to just say, you know what? From now until Easter, I'm just going to take a break. From social media because it's feeding my sin of envy. It's causing me to constantly compare my life to others. And so you might need to do this. If you don't take a social media break, you may need to hide the feed of certain people that trigger the sin of envy in your life. Like maybe there's some people that you're especially envious of, and maybe it's time for you to hide their feed so that you're not constantly looking at their life and comparing it to your own. Or or maybe maybe, uh, it's a um, maybe you need to just stop ordering certain catalogs. Like maybe there's some catalogs that are coming home uh, or magazines that come home uh, and you need to delete them or maybe you need to delete some shopping apps on your phone or stop watching HGTV. Like if that's your deal, if you're constantly comparing your kitchen to someone else's, maybe you just need to get rid of HGTV or, because all you can do is sin whenever you're watching someone else's nice home. Or maybe you need to skip the boat show, or maybe you need to skip the hunting show, or the car show, or the gun show, or whatever show, Uh, because we're going to make an intentional decision to kill comparison in our lives. And you know that if you go to the show, all you're going to do is you're going to find yourself discontent by the end of the deal. Like you're going to say, I just wish I had that. I just wish I could be like that. I just wish I could own that. If I could just get that, I would finally be happy. So we're going to kill comparisons and why. Why do we do that? Because this is envy. And James says it's demonic, it's unspiritual. Every evil practice comes from within, and this lust and this longing for something more does no good to our souls. So, first, we're going to kill comparisons, and then here's the second thing that we're going to do. If you want to fight discontentment in your life, you're going to cultivate gratitude. In your own lives. That you're going to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. We're going to develop this lifestyle of gratitude. And someone once said that envy. Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives. And ignoring God's goodness in your own life. Just think about that for a minute. Let me just say it again. Envy is resenting God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring God's goodness in your own life. How often do we do that? How often do we compare our lives to other people and we resent what God's doing in their lives and we totally ignore the goodness that God is doing in our own lives? You want to kill comparison in your life? Then here's the deal. Develop an attitude of gratitude. Develop a lifestyle of being grateful. Count your blessings. Right? Like, here's the deal. Someone taught me this once, and it's so true that what we count doubles. So if you count the negative things in your life, guess what's going to double? The negativity in your life. But if you'll find a, a, a habit, make a habit of counting the good things in your life, being grateful for the good things that God is doing in your life, the blessings, then you'll find that those things will multiply. Proverbs 15:15 says, for the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart Life is a continual feast. So some of you know some despondent people. And who are those? Those are the negative Nancys, right? You know the negative Nancys in your life. They complain about anything and everything all day Long From the moment you walk into the job to the time you leave, they've complained about every single thing under the sun. Oh, it's a cloudy day. Oh, it's too hot. Oh, the sun is hurting my eyes. Oh, it's going to rain today. Oh, I'm so miserable. Oh, my kids are brats. Oh, I hate my job. My husband, he can't do this. My wife, she doesn't do this. And they complain nonstop all day long. And the proverb says that for those people, every day brings trouble. But for the happy heart, for those that have an attitude of gratitude, life, it says, is a continual feast. In other words, for the content heart, you might have the same day as, the same kind of day as the despondent person is having, but the happy heart sees the blessings in it. The happy heart says, oh, yeah, it's cloudy today, but I'm not getting sunburned right? Or they might say, oh, it's snowing out, but guess what? Oh, it's so peaceful when it snows. You see, the happy heart always sees and is always ready to see God's goodness in everything. You see, if you want to look for the bad in the world, you'll find it over and over and over again. But if you want to look to see God's, how God is working, let me tell you, you can find that too. But we naturally are inclined to look at the negative, But God has so many blessings in front of us. Like I posted yesterday, I posted, it's hard to believe that it was 74 degrees the day before and it's like freezing and snowing right now. And so many people are like, but look at the snow, it's so peaceful and beautiful. And they were looking at the goodness, they were looking at the blessings of the snow. And so that's what a happy heart does, is they find the good things. And life is a party it says it's a continual feast, it's a party for those who have the attitude of gratitude. So if you want life to be a continual party, then be thankful. Be thankful for what God has given you. Instead of looking at someone's post on Instagram wishing that they had, that you had their life, find the good things that God is doing right in front of you. Because I be- believe it or not, if you look, you'll find the good things that God's doing. And truth be told, That the people that you're comparing your life to, truth be told is this, that they're longing for your life, that they wish they had your life in ways that you don't even know about. They're not going to post that on Facebook. They're just going to post the highlights. But the reality is that those people are longing for the life that you have. So enjoy what you have, church. Enjoy what you have rather than looking for what you don't have. So the next time you're tempted to say, I hate my stupid car, instead say, you know what? I thank God that I have a car that runs because that puts me in the top 5% of the wealthiest people in the world. I mean, think about it. 5% of the people in the whole world get to jump in a car that's air conditioned, that can get them from point A to point B. So thank God that you have a car. Or maybe you're like this and you're saying, I wish I had a better house. I wish I had a better house. Instead of saying that, why don't you just say this? I thank God that I've got a roof over my head. I thank God that I have indoor plumbing that works because half the world doesn't even have that. It's a significant blessing from God. You see, when my life is good, I thank God for his blessings. But when my life is not what I want it to be, guess what? I thank God for his blessings and that he's a good God. He's a God that is working out all things and working in all things to bring good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Church, we gotta get in the habit of having an attitude of gratitude. We gotta get in the habit of saying, you know what? I'm not where I wanna be, but God's put me right where I am. And I'm grateful for where I am because God is with me. So we kill comparison. We kill it, we put it to death because it's earthly, because it's unspiritual, because it's ungodly. And we cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Worshiping our God because our God is worthy. He's worthy of our praise and because we've learned. We've learned the secret of being content. And the secret of being content, whether living in plenty or whether living in want, the secret is to know that Jesus is enough. Can we just say that together? Jesus is enough. That's the secret, y'all. That's the secret to contentment. It's in Jesus. It's in Jesus that we find true joy. It's in Jesus that we find true contentment because he is life and his life truly satisfies. Ask Josh, ask Matt, they'll tell you. They've looked the world for stuff to satisfy their discontentment. They've looked drugs. They thought they found it, but it came up empty. And they'll tell you that Jesus is the only thing that has given them contentment. You ask any person who has struggled with self-image and has been content with the way they look, but when they found Jesus, they recognize that, you know what? I don't have to compare my body to someone else's body. I don't have to compare my stuff to someone else's stuff. I don't have to compare anymore because I found the secret to contentment and the secret to contentment was a life with Jesus you ask any person that had an eating disorder you ask any person that would go and eat and then go puke it up in the bathroom because they weren't satisfied they weren't content with the way they body looked and those that have been healed from that you ask them where they find their contentment in and they'll tell you I find it in Jesus The mirror will never make me content, but Jesus will always make me content because Jesus is enough. You want to find contentment in this life? It begins and it ends with Jesus. You see, Paul discovered the secret sitting in a prison, chained to a guard, with nothing. They said, y'all, I found the secret. and I don't wanna keep it to myself, I want you to know. I've had plenty, I've been on the top, but I've also been on the bottom. And here's the secret, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Father God, I just thank you. Lord, I thank you that I don't have to live my life comparing it to other people's lives anymore. God, I thank you that that I, I don't have to find contentment in wishing that I was something else. Because Lord, every time I wish that I was something else or someone else or had something else, it always leads to discontent. leads to sadness, it leads to unhappiness. Lord, I thank you that I've discovered the secret and it's you, Lord. And Father, I know there's people in here today and they struggle. They struggle, Lord. The struggle is real for them and constantly comparing their lives to the lives of other people. And Lord, every day they wake up hopeless They wake up sad. They wake up anxious. They wake up feeling like a failure because they've spent their time comparing their real life to someone else's highlight reels. Because they've counted their likes and compared it to someone else's likes. Because they've read someone else's post about their vacation or their new car or their new relationship and they wish they had it. Father, that's no way to live a life. God, that's not the way you've designed us to live our lives. So Lord, may we today, may we intentionally say, I'm going to kill comparison because comparison is the death of contentment. And I'm going to choose today to recognize that, Lord, you are enough. That if everything else is gone, all I need is Jesus. All I need is you. And you are enough. God, we thank you for being enough. Lord, if there's someone in here today who has never experienced you, who's never experienced a relationship with you, has never discovered that you're enough, Father, I pray that today would be the day, that today would be the day that they would say yes to you. Today would be the day that they would say, yes, I have tried to live my life on my own. Yes, I am a sinner. But Lord, today I give it all to you. And I want you, Lord, to be my savior, to come and rescue me from my life of discontentment, from my life of unhappiness, from my life of sadness and hopelessness. Would you come, Lord, and be enough for me? Just come and say that to the Lord today. Just pray it. It's just, it's easy. Just pray, Lord, I give my life to you. I'm sorry for the sin in my life, but I know that you have died on the cross for my sins so that I might have life, life now and life for eternity. Come, Lord, and be my Savior. We love you, Jesus. Thanks for loving us in the many ways that you do. Amen. As we wrap up today in our song, I just want to invite you to come, come forward. Maybe you're recognizing, you know what? I've been spending my time comparing my life to others and I just need to make it right with Christ. I need to recognize that he's enough. I'm going to come. I've compared my relationship. I've compared my, my body. I've compared my possessions. And I don't want to do that anymore. So I'm going to come to the front. And I'm just going to kill comparison. I'm going to get right with Jesus because he's enough. You come. You come as you are.